and welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, streaming live from Queens, New York. We're so excited you joined us today. No matter where in the world you are, we want you to know that you're family. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Welcome to the Journey Online and happy Valentine's Day. Thank you so much for joining us here today. And uh, my name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor. And I'm grateful that you're tuning in with us today, wherever you're watching from. And I want to just encourage you, I know it's Valentine's Day, but would you join us via Zoom right after the service in our Connect groups? Just a quick, small time for us to chat and for us to kind of hang out after the service. It's only about 15 to 20 minutes long, and all you got to do is click on the Zoom link that our hosts are putting here in the chat. We'd love for you to join us right after this message and this service. But today, we are in part three of a five-part or five-week teaching series called The Struggle is Real, How to Make Sense of Our Finances. And throughout this series, we've been covering personal finances and what does God's Word have to say on how to handle that topic. Now, two weeks ago when we kicked off the series, we talked about the letter A, attitude, how it all starts with the right thinking when it comes to our finances. Last week, we talked about the letter B, which is bondage, the the bondage that comes by being shackled with debt, that God's best for us is to get on a path of becoming debt-free. Now today, as we continue this series, we're going to talk about the letter C when it comes to financial freedom. And it's this idea of choice. So let's do this, all right? In fact, I want you just to kind of self-admittedly in the chat, let us know by a show of hands or thumbs up or praise hands, how many of you watching right now have made at least one bad financial choice or one poor financial decision? Go ahead and let me know in the chat. Praise hands thumbs up, hands, yep, that's me. How many of you would say that that's you? You have made at least one bad decision in your lifetime. Now, I'm going to raise both my hands because I have made plenty. In fact, time we don't have enough time for me to share with you every bad decision that I've made when it's come to finances, but I'm going to share with you at least one. I'm going to get vulnerable and share one really bad, really dumb decision that I made a few years ago. Now, before I share it, I want you to know that this decision started off actually as a good decision, but it later ended up being a bad decision. Let me explain. Right after graduating from college, a friend of mine had met with me and told me about the importance of saving early on and how it's going to build wealth later in my life. So in 2006, at the age of 22, I decided to invest $1,000 in a Roth IRA. Now, that sounds like a good decision, right? Not bad so far, but one year later, 2007, the Great Recession happened. Stock markets crashed, the housing market collapsed, and my little investment wasn't really looking so good. And at this point, I was beginning to pay student loans, and they were a little bit higher than I had thought and expected. Some other debts were beginning to increase, like credit cards and car payments. And Danielle and I, we were newlyweds. So what do newlyweds need? Well, they always need money, right? The number one thing that they say they want at a wedding is money. Don't buy them a toaster. They need 
cash, right? So we were newlyweds, we were broke, in debt, we needed cash bad. And so here I am looking at this little savings account, this little Roth IRA, and who's watching over this thing? I mean, it's losing money every month. This guy, I don't even know what he's doing. And so I made the quick boneheaded decision. I was going to pull my money out. I was young, so I didn't realize that I was going to be charged a 10% penalty fee plus taxes on the amount. And when I finally got my money back, it was less than $500, 50% less than what it was when I invested it just a year earlier. Now let's fast forward. If I had simply left that money alone, today that $1,000 would be worth an estimated $3,700, and that's just marketing according to the S&P 500 index. It would have been about a 271% increase Instead, by me taking it out, I lost $500. That was a bad decision. Now, I wish I could say that was my last bad decision, but there's others, and we don't have time, and honestly, it's too embarrassing to share some of these, but what I want to talk about today is not bad decisions, but the importance of making good decisions. And if there is one choice that I could say that God helped me make that totally changed my perspective and my level of financial freedom, this is the choice that we're going to talk about today. Because at the end of the day, your financial picture is ultimately determined by the choices and the decisions that you make. Wouldn't you agree? Your financial picture is determined by the choices and the decisions that you make. So let me just ask a few questions, right? What kind of choices have you made up to this point? And do you like where those decisions have led you? What choices have you made? And do you like where those choices have led you? Now, I only ask this because if you want to change your destination financially, you're going to have to change your decisions. Now, let's face it. We face a bunch of choices and decisions when it comes to money, right? I mean, is it time to buy a house or a co-op or should I keep renting? Should I buy a car? And if so... How much? How much am I supposed to spend for my significant other on Valentine's Day, right? Those are all important decisions, but today I want to talk about just one choice. One decision that I believe you have to settle in your heart first. This choice gets to the core of why God cares about finances in the first place. This choice, it impacts all the others and it will lead to financial peace if we get it right. So what's the choice? What's the question? Here it is. Will I love and trust money or will I love and trust God? Will I love and trust money or will I love and trust God? Now look, all of us watching, we're at different places in our faith, right? We come from different backgrounds, different stories, but at some point, all of us is going to have to answer this one question. And your answer to this question is going to make all the difference when it comes to experiencing financial freedom. Jesus says it like this in Matthew chapter 6. He reminds us, he says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Then look at this key phrase. In fact, underline this phrase in your notes or highlight it. He says, You cannot serve both God and God. 
and money. Now, this is fascinating because Jesus could have said anything else, right? He could have said, you cannot serve God and your job, right? Or you can't serve both God and your apartment or God and your social media impact and influence. No, but he says instead, you cannot serve God and money. Now, why does he say this? Because God knows that for many of us, money is the number one competitor of our hearts. And God isn't saying that having money is wrong or evil. God is fine with you having possessions. He just doesn't want those possessions to have you. Because it's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. So how do we know if money has got a hold of us? right? How, how do we know if we're caught in the grip of materialism and greed? Well, I believe it requires us to make a choice. And if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, I believe he asks all of us to make this choice. Here's the choice. In your notes, it says, I will give God my first and best so he can bless the rest. I will give God my first and my best so that he will bless the rest. Now, you're watching wherever you're watching from, in your apartment with your family, if you're watching all alone by yourself, I want you just to say this out loud with me and declare it. All right, ready? Go. I will give God my first and my best so that he can bless the rest. Now, earlier in this series, I talked about Danielle and I making this decision, that that we had to come to terms, not only with our financial debt and our bondage, but we had to come to terms to give God our first and our best and trust that God was going to bless the rest. Now, the biblical word for this phrase is simply the word tithe. Tithe is a word that means tenth. In other words, a tenth of what I earn, it belongs to God, and so I give it back to Him through the act of financial giving. Now, maybe you're watching today and you're wondering, why are we talking about giving? Like, Pastor, I'm in debt. I need help with this. Or what is a raise? What does this have to do with me needing a raise? Why in the world are we talking about the topic of giving? Well, let me give you just a quick example. Uh, let's say for a moment that I feel pain running down my left arm. And I go to the doctor and I say, doctor, I've got pain in my left arm. And he says, let's check your heart. No, 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 no. Doc, it's just my arm. I just feel pain in my arm. And the doctor says, usually I understand, but we want to make sure it's not a root of a deeper issue. So we're going to check the heart, right? In other words, outer symptoms might reveal something that is deeper from within. And I think the same is true for many of us, right? We want to get out of debt. We want to get a raise and raise our income. We want to make sure that we take care of our kids. All those things are great and they're knowable. But some of the stresses you face right now on the outside are actually something that is much deeper within and with the heart. Jesus says we cannot serve both God and money. So the greatest way... To deal with our financial picture is to not only surrender our lives before God, but to surrender our finances before Him. And so what I want to do today 
is I want to talk about specifically why do we give? I want to get right to the heart of the issue. Why exactly do we as followers of Jesus, why do we give? Because if you don't know the answer to this question, I promise you, you will never have the right motivation to do it in the first place. So number one, the first thing in your notes is to give strategically. Why do we give? We're called to give strategically. Now, what I mean by this is generous people, they plan to be generous. They are strategic and they plan their giving. Think for a moment about the gifts that the three wise men gave to baby Jesus when he was born, right? They traveled all that way and they went to see him, but they didn't forget a baby gift, right? You don't see the third wise man say, oh shoot, I forgot a gift. Let's go to Walgreens real quick and we'll pick up a beanie baby or we'll get one of those little helium balloons for this baby Jesus. What's the, what's the baby's name? We don't even know. No, the gifts they bought Jesus was intentional and strategic. Gifts like gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, God's word is clear. He says the starting point for you to be strategic with your giving starts with the tithe. We get this in Malachi chapter 3 in your notes. Verse 8, it says, Should people cheat God, yet you have cheated me. This is God who is speaking to his people. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You've cheated me of the tithes and offerings that are due to me. Then look at his strong language. He says, you are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord Almighty, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Then he says this, try it. Let me prove it to you. Now, also in your notes, I've provided three reasons why God's word tells us to give the tithe to the local church. Three reasons why we give to the local church and we give strategically. Number one in your notes, the first reason is because it provides for God's work. It provides for God's work through the local church. Now, why the local church? Well, because we're seeing it during this pandemic. The local church is the hope of the world. It is vital for life transformation in our city and in our community. When there are needs in our community, when there are needs in our city, the local church is the one that steps up and sacrificially gives to help those in need. Now, oftentimes I get the question, well, pastor, what about other ministries like Samaritan's Purse, or what about Red Cross, or noteworthy parachurch ministries? Look, all of those are good things, but Jesus is abundantly clear when he says that he will build his church. Jesus didn't say, I will build a university. He didn't say, I will build a parachurch ministry, right? Even in Malachi, the storehouse, it represents the dwelling place of God today, which is the local church. So when we give the tithe, it provides for God's work through the local church. The second thing that it does is it, it teaches me to put God first. It teaches me to put God first. Deuteronomy 14 verse 28, it literally tells us that the purpose of the tithe is to teach you and I to put God 
first. That's why we put that phrase. We said, I will give God my first and my best, and I'll trust him to take care of the rest. Now, maybe you're watching this right now, and you're just a little bit sweating, and you're a little bit nervous, and you're like, well, pastor, if if I tithe, I'm going to have to rearrange my entire life. Like, I'm going to have to rearrange my financial picture. I'm going to have to rearrange my priorities. Pastor, is this really what you want me to do? And the answer is yes, right? Because that's what God calls us to do. We can't say Christ is first if it doesn't reflect in our financial picture. And so I want to challenge you right now. Maybe you have been giving. Maybe you have been giving that tithe to the local church. Maybe you have been giving that 10%. I want to thank you for your generosity. Because of you, our church is able to step up in massive ways, help our own members, and help our community because of your faithfulness. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart and from our team to say thank you for your generosity and your giving. But if you're here today and you've never done it, you've never stepped up to tithe, I want to go back to the words of Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, where Jesus says, try it. Another translation, Jesus literally says, test me. Now, here's one thing that I've learned when it comes to God. When I win an argument with God, I lose. And when I lose an argument with God, I actually win. What do I mean by that? A lot of times in our life, we think, man, if I give God 10% and live off of the 90, there's no way that I can do that. And the answer is, you're right. There there is no way that you can do that unless you've got the help of God, right? And so when we put our faith, when we say, God, I'm going to give you my first, God, I'm going to give you my best, and I'm going to trust that you're going to bless the rest, I promise you, God always lives up to the challenge. You don't have to worry. You don't have to fear. Now, what I'm not saying is that you're not going to give your first tithe check and God's not going to bless you with a Lamborghini tomorrow. No, that's prosperity gospel. You don't see that in the Bible. But what I do know is that when we seek first the kingdom of God, all our needs are provided in Christ Jesus. And so I want to challenge you. Test God for 90 days, three months, Take God at his word and follow through with this thing called the tithe challenge. Try it for 90 days. Right there, you see the giving link, and it's there for our church, and there's multiple ways that you can give, but try it. And I'm not saying this because our church needs money or we're money hungry. No, the reason why I'm saying this is because I've lived it personally. I've seen it happen in my own life. Many of you have lived it out in your own life, and you could attest to this as well. And I see it so much that I want the same blessing for you as well. And so try it. Take God up in the challenge and say, I'm going to try it for 90 days, three months, and I'm going to tithe and see what happens. So why do we tithe? Well, we tithe because it provides for God's work through the local church. It teaches me to put Christ first. And then number three, the third thing is it increases my faith in God. It increases my faith in God. You got to admit, it takes faith to give the first 10%, right? If you give what's left over, that's not faith. You see, 90% somehow goes further supernaturally than living on my own with the full 100%. 
Now, maybe you're here today and you're skeptical about this. You're like, well, pastor, so far all you're quoting is Old Testament stuff. What does Jesus really have to say about this? Well, glad you asked because Jesus actually said these words here in Matthew 23. He said, you should tithe, yes, but you should not leave undone the more important things. Now, another way that I look at it is this. When I tithe, I can be sure of God's word that the blessings of God are guaranteed in my life. But when I don't tithe, I can be sure that God's blessings aren't guaranteed. Now, I don't know about you, but I need all the blessing of God that I can get, right? And I know that you need that as well. And so let's, let's take God up on this offer, right? Three months to try it. Honor God through the tithe. So why do we give? We give strategically, but that's not just all. In fact, number two in your notes, the second motive for giving is we give spontaneously, right? We give not just strategically, but we also give spontaneously. Now, what do I mean by this? What I mean is that if you are a follower of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit that resides within us. And there's going to be times in our life that we're going to be going about our day when the Holy Spirit's going to give us this gut check in our heart to help someone in need, to provide for someone that is without. And from time to time, God will speak in our hearts with the blessings he's given us to turn around and be a blessing to someone else. You know, I'll never forget when I first moved to New York City nine years ago in 2011, we were broke. (laughs) We sold everything that we had, living in boxes, living in a tiny apartment. We were broke, and I had recently purchased an unlimited metro card. And, and you know, unlimited metro cards are like gold in New York City. Well, earlier that week, I was reading this book called The God Pocket by Bruce Wilkinson. And the whole premise of the book was basically saying, are we open and available to be a blessing when God tells us to, or when God prompts it in our hearts? And so as I was reading this book, I began to pray, God, give me an opportunity to bless someone spontaneously. Well, on a Sunday night, right after a church service, I'm riding the subway train back home and I am drained. I mean, it was a long Sunday. It was a 14 hour day. I just couldn't wait to go home and take a nap because I was tired. Well, as I'm sitting in the subway car, there is another person sitting next to me with a a little girl, a, a daughter who is probably four, maybe five years old. And the daughter's just kind of having fun and just kind of being a kid, right? You know, just uh, dancing and having fun in the subway. And next thing I know, in the middle of this uh, subway ride, the dad is reaching in his pockets looking for his subway card. And what had happened was the daughter had scanned the subway card and somehow lost it. And now here's the dad, disheveled, upset, frustrated that he lost the Metro card. That moment, I felt God prompt in my heart, give him your Metro card. (laughs) Now, I'd love to tell you in the beginning that I said, sure, God, oh, heavenly father, I beseech you, you are blessed. But I was having some wrestling moments with God. (laughs) God, I just bought this card. It's worth a lot for me right now. God, I don't have the money to take care of this for another Metro card. God, I'm not really sure if it's you. Maybe it's I'm overtired. 
Maybe I'm a little bit emotional and kind of run down. And so I made this little quick prayer with God. I said at the next subway stop, because it was a packed train, if everyone leaves the train and it's just me and this guy and this daughter, all right, God, I'll give you the Metro card. Well, sure enough, the very next subway stop, the doors open up. Everyone clears out. And it's just me, the guy, and his daughter. And at that point, I could feel the Holy Spirit just pushing me like, now is your chance. Now is your time to do it. And remember what I said earlier, right? When we win an argument with God, we lose. When we lose an argument with God, we win. And so if I had won this argument with God and got to keep my MetroCard, what would have happened? I would have missed the opportunity to show God's love to this person, to be Jesus' hands and feet at that moment. And so I knew at that moment that I needed to lose so that God can be revealed. And so in that moment, I gave the guy the metric card. I said, sir, I can't help but overhear the conversation. I'm not trying to step in or anything, but I'm a believer in Christ. And I believe that God wants you to have this. The guy received the metric card. Tears started to stream down his face. And he said, thank you so much. Now, why do I share this story? Not not to say, look at Pastor Mike or look at this, but I, I share this story because I think it's so amazing that our God is all powerful, that he could meet any need at any point, but yet he chooses you and me to help others who are in need. But how many times in our life do we just miss the opportunity to be God's hands and feet because we don't just simply notice the opportunities that are right in front of us. Look at how the Apostle Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians 8. He says, But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your life for us, he says, See to it that you also excel in this grace of giving. Now, we commonly assume that if God is asking us to do something, well, we're going to feel peace in doing it. But see, most of the times, it's opposite. Right? God's work almost always requires that we stop what we're doing and make His agenda our highest priority. It's almost always uncomfortable at first, but I promise you, once you step out in faith, once you excel in this grace of giving, as, God, as, as Paul had just said, you will feel His blessing. It might not be tangibly or physically, but it will be spiritually and inward as well. Let's look at another verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 11, he says, you will be made rich in every way so that you could be generous on how many? On every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in a thanksgiving to God. You see, the early church, they were noted as making sure that every person was taken care of and cared for. Can you imagine for a moment what that would look like in our context. Every person in our church was taken care of and cared for. Can you imagine what that would look like in our community, Forest Hills, Central Queens? Every person was taken care of and cared for. What would that look like in our city? So God's Word, it tells us the three ways to give is to give strategically, to give spontaneously, And then number three in your notes, we're also called to give sacrificially. To give sacrificially. 
Now, what we have in this world is not for us. That's why this world is so messed up because many times we got it backwards, right? We think the point of life is to make an extra dollar. If it costs me my friendships, costs me my faith, costs me my integrity, who cares, right? But the point of life is never to get more money. Even the richest people in the world right now would say that. And they've been saying this for years, but still we don't listen. The point in life is not more money. The point of life is influence. And if you live your entire life as if life were all about you, you're going to have a really small influence. But if you live your life as if it were the point of others to reflect Christ, to reflect his gospel message who willingly gave everything for us, you're going to see the influence grow and increase. John 3.16, it says it like this. It says, For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Now, maybe you're here today and say, well, pastor, why should I be generous? Well, it's simple. Because God was generous with you. God sacrificially gave up his son so that you could spend eternity with him through faith. And see, generosity usually comes as an overflow of that appreciation of all that God has done for your life. In fact, find me one generous person where it doesn't come from the overflow of what God is doing in their heart. But I guarantee you'll find a stingy person who isn't aware or grateful of God's goodness to them. Let me give you a classic example found in Luke chapter 21. It says, while Jesus was still in the temple, he watched the rich people putting their gifts into the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two pennies. I assure you, he said, this poor widow is given more than all the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, as poor as she is, has given everything she has. Now the power of that story is not about the amount that you give. It's about the sacrifice. And we learn from this story that when you sacrificially give, God always notices. And God not only always notices, but God always rewards you for your faith. Now we look back at the early church. And we see that the early church had incredible influence. They had the ability to turn their world upside down for Christ and spread the gospel message to the entire world in that point. How were they able to do it? I believe it's because they went all in with God. They went all in in their relationship with Him through reading His Word and prayer. They went all in when it came to their commitment to the church. And they went all in when it came to their finances and their generosity. Now, how come we don't see the same impact today? Could it be because we're holding out on God? In fact, could you imagine for a moment what our church could accomplish if every person committed to these three ways of giving? Could you imagine for a moment what our church would look like if every person gave strategically by giving God the tithe? But could you imagine all the needs that would be met in our city if we responded to the calls of the Holy Spirit and gave spontaneously? Could you imagine for a moment the worldwide impact 
we would have as a church if we all gave sacrificially. I believe nothing would stop our church if we did so. But here's the deal. And in fact, here's what I want you to understand most. Before God does a work in our church, He often begins with us. Before He does a work in our overall church, He begins with a work in our own hearts individually. And so I want you to understand this and hear my heart as we're sharing this message. God is not after your money. Anybody that tells you that, they're lying or they have a warped view of God. God is never after your money. God is after something far greater than your money, and it's your heart. God is after a heart that is fully committed to Him. When we're fully committed to Him, we'll naturally give as a result of it. A heart that's not, well, it simply won't. That's why we see these words in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. He says, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So I want to challenge you today, as we're in the middle of this series, The Struggle is Real, we're we're looking at the key choice. Do I trust God or am I trusting in my money? How do I know if I'm trusting in God or in money? Well, it's simple. Those that trust in God, they're willing to give God their first and their best, and they're willing to trust to live on the rest. So will you make that decision today? God is not after your money. He is after your heart. And for some of you, it means taking that step today to give strategically, to give spontaneously, or to give sacrificially. Let's take a moment and let's pray. God, we thank you for this time where we can look to your word. And God, before we search within our own hearts, God, help us to fully grasp and understand the fact that you loved us so much that you gave us everything. You were willing to give up your own son, to give up his life as a ransom so that we can experience peace in our own hearts, experience blessing in our lives, and to experience heaven for eternity. God, help us to fully understand and grasp how great, how deep, and how wide your love is for us. Because so many times when it comes to this concept of generosity, we fail to start with the example that you've set before us. God, I know for some of us, this is a big decision to make, to give strategically or spontaneously or to give sacrificially. And God, I pray that you'd help us realize that it has to be an overflow of the work that you're doing in our own hearts. And so there's times in my own life that that I know I'm stingy. God, I ask repentance of that. And God, I, I ask us to repent of the same as well as a church. God, you want us to be your hands and feet. And God, this is just one way of many that you're asking us to do it. So help us to release the grip of greed, the grip of materialism, the grip that fear has on our lives, God. And help us to make that decision that we're going to give you the first and the best and trust that you're going to take care of the rest. God, we surrender all these things before you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.